This is Grow Your Life with Jason Scott Montoya, a podcast with stories and systems to live better and work smarter. Welcome to this first episode of Listening to Learn as part of the Grow Your Life podcast. I'm Jason Scott Matoya, and today we're going to spend time asking questions of our Inspirational People alumni, Denise Renee, about the unrest we're seeing across the nation. The intersection of the complex world we live in with the coronavirus crisis has surfaced numerous individual and systemic issues that Americans have failed to deal with fully, despite the suffering that neglect and aggression has caused to much of the Black community. With recent horrific events, including the killing of George Floyd by an officer using excessive force on a black man pleading for his life, American cities have seen an uprising of protests across the nation with with many of them turning violent. Now is the time for us to listen and to learn as we seek out effective solutions to solve these complex problems. In this discussion, we'll dive into the topic of racial reconciliation and what we can learn and apply from the historic events that are unfolding around the country and unveiling the things we've seen, the things that may have been bubbling under the surface, but that we've ignored in the meantime. So Denise, thank you for joining me today. What's your take on this situation and which, how should we be looking at it? My take on the situation, <laughs> Denise Renee's take on the situation is we all need to take a breath. We all need to breathe. Um, I've been doing a lot of that. So, yes, tell us about breathing. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Um, You know, there's there's a lot going on, and there's a lot to unpack. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot to discuss, and there's a lot to take action on. You know, I don't know that I have a whole bunch of answers. Um, And, you know, before I say anything, I want to say that um, I speak for all Black people as much as you speak for all white people. Mm -hmm. We're not all the same. (laughs) Everyone's different. (laughs) Is that what you mean? Exactly. You know, and and, and my perspective, I have a very interesting perspective because um, my family is from the Caribbean. Okay. And I'm... For, I'm first generation American in my in my family. So you're an and immigrant I do con- as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. Technically, I'm not an immigrant, well, but my mom and my aunts they're immigrants. Yeah. And so the immigrant experience in America, no matter where you're coming from, mm-hmm. um, the immigrant experience is, is 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 one whole other situation. To my <laughs> to my family's chagrin, <laughs> very early on, I've always identified as American. Yeah. Um, because I feel like I am, even though my household was very distinctly Caribbean, a lot of um, mm. those values and those viewpoints. And interestingly enough, you know, something that we don't always talk about, or I'll say we, in terms of um, black and brown people, we don't talk too much and we don't like to talk uh, in front of white people about our own internal stuff, mm. right? So for me growing up, it was like, you are Caribbean, you know, you've got that Caribbean pride, you're not like those black Americans, right? Mm. Um, so that, that's like a whole other thing. Yeah, it's you know, more, even thing. more complex, yeah. Yeah, there's a whole thing between, you know, whether you're from the Caribbean, you're American, and then us who are on this side of the Atlantic versus those who are on the other side of the Atlantic, you know, who never mm. left Africa. There, there, there's a lot, and, and that's why I said what I said at, at the beginning. I'm not, you know, I cannot speak for all black people. Yeah. And, you know, I can talk to my experience. I can talk to, you know, how I feel as a black woman living in Atlanta, as someone mm-hmm. who came from New York City. And I even think mm-hmm. that my upbringing um, was very unique. When you grow up in New York City, you have a very different experience than people in other parts of the country. Mm-hmm. New York City, whether you love it or hate it, uh, it, it's one of those places where you're either gonna love it or you're <laughs> gonna hate it. Yeah. Um, I happen to love New York City. I don't see myself living there simply for the economics of it all. Yeah. Um, but, you know, because I've been down here now for like 10, 11 years. Um, but I grew, I literally grew up around just about any ethnicity you could think of. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I mean, like, European immigrants. I remember yeah. one girl in my, um, in grade school, she was, and I went to a Catholic school, she was from Hungary. And we would always tease her, Anna, are you hungry? Anna, are you hungry? That's a mean you know, mean, mean, uh, mean tease for a kid. Yeah. 
but you know, um, so Eastern European, Italian, um, other immigrants, Asians, mm-hmm. um, and especially when I went to a specialized high school in Manhattan called Manhattan Center for Science and Math. And I was kind of in the nerdy group because almost all of my classes were um, honors classes, except for the math classes. Mm. Um, And so, you know, highly Asian, especially in a math and science school, um, Asian, Indian, Black, Latino, um, and white. And so I have that. I I never really thought about and looked at race until I went to college. And how this Black girl from the Bronx gets to go to a school, you know, a, a school in Lewiston, Maine. Don't ask me, but I got there. And <laughs> that was really my first uh, encounter with how people think of me as a Black person. And mm-hmm. I went, okay, yes, get out your calculators. I'm about to tell you my age. <laughs> I graduated high school in 91. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I graduated Bates in 95. So this is the early 90s. And I'm like, oh, okay. So this is how people think, hmm. really think about black Was it stereotypes or was it prejudice or was it racism? Or what, when you say that, what do you mean? I got a lot. I, I got or a variety? Up. I got a variety. You know, I got people, some people who um, looked at me as a human being. It was like, hey, you're cool, whatever, we're friends, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Ooh, boom, no problem with that. I would have people who would, um, I think sometimes it's, it's in the asking of the question. Mm. Um, I, ha- I remember one time, like in my freshman year, you know, people always want to know, well, where are you from? Where are you from? There's some people when I said I'm from the Bronx, they would literally recoil because their image of a black people from the Bronx is we all carrying guns. We're all drug dealers. You know, this is, this is mm. after the, the, the late 80s, crack epidemic and, and oh, all of okay. that stuff, very violent. So they're just assuming that I'm just packing an Uzi in, in my backpack. And that's just how they treated me. And I'm like, yeah. would I really be here if I'm some drug dealer from the street packing <laughs> Uzis up in Lewiston, Maine? Like, really? Yeah. Um, so very simple. They had just a very simplistic way of looking at it. Oh, but then, then uh, dealing with being out in the town, or actually even before I got there, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I visited the summer before with my mom and my dad, and we went to like, was it Denny's or something? I don't know, it was just a regular restaurant. Nobody would serve us for 45 minutes. Wow. People would come in afterwards and they were getting served. And I was like, let's go. Mm-hmm. And my father was mad. He was like, no, they're gonna, I'm like, we are not eating in this restaurant today. They're not going to serve us. Let's go. Um, When I finally got on campus and um, the campus was kind of situated, like the town is kind of like around the campus. So people would drive through the main streets there. I'm just walking across the street to, you know, get to my classes and people are in their cars and they're like, I mean, they're next to like 180 degrees looking at me. Um, you know, at that, at that time I had a very high Afro, <laughs> so it was just like, you know, this dark skinned girl, big high, it was just like, they, I've never, they were just like, it was just very novel to them. Yeah. Novel. Right. Yeah. Because, uh, at the time the black population in Maine was about 2%. So yeah. I always like to joke that I doubled the black population when, I got <laughs> when you got there. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, I would have people just getting back to the question of, um, you know, what I experienced. Um, so yeah, I would have people just make assumptions Mm. without trying to get to know me. And then, you know, I would go home sometimes and I would get extensions, braids. And, um, (laughs) there's always this obsession (laughs) with black women's hair. You still want to touch it. (laughs) Uh, I guess hence why I have none. I cut my hair. (laughs) But I I mean, this is just what I'm rocking right now. Like, you know, I used to wear braids and, um, some people were just like, oh, can I touch it? Yeah. Okay, PSA. <laughs> is that a don't no? Stick your hands <laughs> in black women's hair. Just don't do that. Um, if you're curious, ask questions first before you work yourself up to to the, the big one. <laughs> yeah, like make sure you've got a good relationship with the person first. All right, no. don't just don't don't do that. Um, but I had one girl just like really be curious and ask like, wow, like a couple weeks ago, you know, your hair was was much shorter, but now it's so long. Like, how did you do that? 
that was an honest and a genuine question and I had no problems answering that. Mm. So it's a lot, a lot of times it's the way and the intent in which, you know, you ask someone, um, and it's okay to like, ask are we, is it, about it, is it that we're actually genuinely curious? Is that what I'm hearing from you? Yeah. Like a yeah. genuine curious curiosity, something that you just don't know. I don't mind. That's fine. But like when you can always feel a person's kind of energy or their spirit behind something, if they're mm. just ready to mock you, um, or okay. trap like, you or yeah. Or just like that kind of spirit, I don't respond to at all. And, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not playing into that. But if you have a genuine question, I have no problems, you know, sharing because I understand people, there are some people who just never interact with anyone who looks different than them in any yeah. way, shape or form. And so all of our images of black people, Asian people, Latino people are from things that we see on TV or stereotypes mm. or better yet, the news yeah um and, well and, and we're both in marketing and stereotypes are a dangerous thing when you when you use them yeah but, the, but here's the thing right everybody is prejudiced mm -hmm. and prejudice in the simplest sense and the simplest definition of the word in that we prejudge mm -hmm. it's very easy to look at someone or something and put them in a category and relate them relate to them based on that category, yeah. whatever it is. Um, because it's just easier. You yeah. know, when we used to have record stores, mm -hmm. um, you know, I used to go to this uh, Tower Records in, in, in Manhattan. I used to love going to that store. But, you know, if you want to find music, you have to go to this specific section. You need to go to the R&B section. You yeah. need to go to the pop section. You need to go to the... And blending styles was just, you know, you have to think about the, the marketing of it. Um, so, because this is what all pop music lovers like, this is what all R&B lovers like. You know, I even see that in, you know, listening to Pandora, depending on the station that I'm listening to, I get different ads and I may get the same ad that has the same voice over, but the music is different. Whether I'm mm. listening to the straight ahead jazz station, whether I'm listening to a Latin jazz station, oh, I get, uh, I get commercials in Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. You know, because they're trying to target you based on yeah. what it is you think you like. Mm. It, it, it's, a it's, a, it's a function of life, right? It makes it easier. But the thing is, is that we have to all get over our prejudgments and look at people and look at individuals for who they are and for what they are and be willing to put those prejudgments to the side. Mm -hmm. um, be willing to have those, pre especially if they're negative prejudgments, be willing to, you know, say, okay, you know, obviously what I know is not correct, or at least, you know, this doesn't apply to you. Yeah. And sometimes that happens, you know, I think sometimes, you know, black people have their white friends and white people have their black friends. And it's like that, that friend, right. is cool. It's fine. But everybody else is not fine. What do you mean by that? Tell me more. So like, okay. You're, you're my, my white friend, right? So mm -hmm. uh, Jason and I are cool. Yeah. But every other white person that I don't know, we know. Oh, got it. Right? You know, so it's like, oh, but, you know, and if I say something offensive about, you know, other, all other white people, and Jason's like, well, <laughs> really, Denise Renee, that's what you think? I'm like, well, no, not you. You know, you're okay, uh, Jason. It's, 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 it, but it's the rest of them. It's the, re it's the mm, rest of them. Yeah. You know, we have to be with, on all sides of the table we have to be willing to put those things down and just understand that what we think we know, we may not know. Yeah. Be, be open and humble is what I'm hearing you say. Absolutely. Yeah. So I just went all around the place. <laughs> so, well, that's a little bit of background on, on, your, on, on, your, on your experiences and how that influences how you see things. And so I guess you, you're now in Atlanta. How, how's that different than New York? And, and, and then we'll dive into the, the situation, but... I'm going to say things that you know, maybe some people are going to be uncomfortable with, but so, okay. Is it rough <laughs> compared to I'm New York? Gonna, I'm just going to, I'm, yeah. I'm just going to lay it out. Just going to lay it out. This is my experience. Yeah. In New York, uh, when I'm in New York, I don't, I feel like New York is, is a nice diverse bubble mm -hmm. that, and New York has been known almost from its inception 
um, as being a melting pot of so many different immigrants because it, it was a major port for immigrants to come through from from everywhere. Yeah. So it that is a that is a um, it's part of the fabric of, okay. of modern New York. Um, so I never and this is part of what because I was around so many different people growing up. I never thought of you know really being affected by racism or people really treating me differently, whatever. And it, it, it I probably was, but I just didn't really. It really did. I really I really didn't see it. Yeah. Right? Until I became, I was, because I never felt like a minority in New York. Mm. I felt like a minority in Maine. I was like, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> we can count how many black students, you know, are, yeah. are on this campus and, and that kind of thing. Um, and so, you know, I went back to New York from, uh, from college and I was there until, like I said, about 10, 11 years ago and I moved here. Here, I feel like Atlanta is a small, smaller um melting pot i don't feel like it's as diverse as new york um but there are lots of different populations here sorry atlanta is known for being at least the city of atlanta is known for being heavily african-american yeah um and lots of cool forward-thinking white people yeah right that's what that's what atlanta is about but that's the message but it's not matching is that what, what you mean well no uh, I'm going to tell you about my experience and, and how mm. I feel about living here. Mm. So, you know, if you live in Atlanta, you know, you know this, right? This is the premise, 285. Yeah. Essentially, me, I don't like to go too far beyond. The perimeter. The perimeter, right? And, and, and a little bit beyond. If I go out of state, uh, if I'm driving and I'm going out of state, I start to relax if I'm going up 85, I start to relax when I hit Gwinnett County. So when I hit exit, what is that? Like 112 or 15 or something like that, whatever. Um, when I start going too far out, I get nervous. Because I've heard, <laughs> I've heard Atlanta, uh, Georgia be described as a red state with a, a blue middle, mm -hmm. right? So it's like but, you have all yeah. the liberal people hanging out in, in the Atlanta area, in the, in the metro counties, but the further out you go, You've got, uh, yeah. for lack of a better term, you've got more rednecks. And to be honest, when I was making a decision to go to college, I ruled out the South because I was like, yeah, no, they still racist down there. And I, I, I'm not doing it. So I find it funny that I'm living here now. But, but tell me about I, that reservation you have. What's going on? I think, yeah, I'll you're driving you. up. Tell us how you're feeling and why you're feeling that and what your fear, what the fear is. I will tell you. Yeah. So I feel more comfortable being in any of the metro counties because I feel like if God forbid something goes down, that's foul for no reason. Mm. I'm stopped and I'm abused by police or, you know, some group of radically thinking, uh, you know, people want to, yeah. you know, do whatever. I feel like, okay, if I'm in, if, if something weird goes down in the metro counties and people find out about it, they just might make us think about it. Right, mm. you know, I, I might become you feel a topic advocated of, for, yeah. I, I feel like I might be advocated for, but if God forbid I'm out in the country, yeah, I have no idea. You know, I, I could disappear, like, so I make sure I always have enough gas, mm. I'm not stopping anywhere. Um, I just don't want to have problems, and mm -hmm. I and I do not, even though you know, I have not had any problems, I don't assume that I won't have problems. That I now, you know, keep my hair cut low mm. i can be mistaken very easily sitting in a car right just going by i can't if you know if you you, you can't come up close and see that i have on makeup and earrings <laughs> yeah. and all, i can be mistaken for a male mm. right and, and sometimes people come you know from the back um they they may assume initially that i'm a male but then you know they either see me see earrings and they see all the curves and they're like yeah. oh, okay that 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 is instantly corrected but yeah. i can be in a snap be mistaken mm. for male. So tell me, tell me about that. Cause what is it about? Like, there's a difference there that you're describing that I, I think would be helpful for us to understand what that is in terms of a male and a female, a black female and black white man. Because historically black men in this country are more frequently stopped by cops in cars mm -hmm. than black females. Mm. I mean, 
really, you know, the, 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 I can't remember the name of, of the girl that they, um, this was a couple of months ago, but that they went to her house and they shot mm-hmm. her in front of her son. That was in her house. Yeah. Um, there were, I did hear about an incident with a, a woman being pulled over and the kids were in the car, but more nine times out of 10, you hear about more, you know, cop interactions with black men from being stopped. So, you know, it makes me very concerned. Um, you know, I'm, I don't I have a little bit of concern for myself, but I have a nine year old son. So what are the and, things you and, think about with him that, that we don't even realize? I think, you know, the, the advice that we used to give was, you know, hey, if you get stopped by a cop, you, you comply. Mm-hmm. That advice that doesn't mean anything anymore. You can this, comply. This as, recent as example is just says he, he complied and it wasn't enough. So I have no idea what to say to my child. Mm. You know, I have no idea how to advise myself. You know, right now I'm, I'm not one, um, you know, my, my ex-husband and I, we're, we're separated and we're divorced. Um, so we have separate homes, but we do, you know, talk about, you know, how we're raising him and, and we collaborate on that. Um, and I, I texted the other day, I was like, um, we need to kind of have a family, family meeting about this. Now, both of us are not heavy news watchers. Yeah. Um, so we don't have it like playing in either of our houses like that. Yeah. So, but you know, he interacts with his cousins and things like that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, news does seep in, you know, he's got his feelings about the whole coronavirus and, uh, we haven't talked to him yet about this, this past incident, but it's like, this is too much and we have to have a conversation and we're, we're going to, you know, figure out how we're going to, how we're going to approach it and what we're going to say. Um, and, and have that conversation probably within a week, but, um, you know, as he gets older, it's just like, how, how do we, you know, we've been very careful, I think, to um, help him focus on his own individuality as a human being, Mm -hmm. as a person, not as a black person or a black person in America or whatever, just as a person. Because I think that that's the way we should all be relating to each other as human beings. Um, But we have a responsibility to prepare him that not everybody's going to look at you as a human being. Not everybody's going to interact with you as a human being. They're yeah. going to see color. They're going to see gender and they're going to have prejudgments and they're going to respond to you or act, react to you based on those things and based on what they think and based on whatever. Mm-hmm. And things we you have can't to control. For that. Yeah. Things we can't control and how we have to prepare him to respond adequately to those things. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's scary. Yeah. It's scary. Hmm. You know, and, you know, being a person of faith, um, yes, there's prayer, but I think sometimes, um, sometimes I think my other Christian brothers and sisters, I'm like, um, Jesus is not going to take the wheel on everything. Okay. We have to, we, there's a responsibility we have. So I feel like we sometimes to, find we pray, and to fix things. Yeah. Like yeah. We, 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 we think prayer is to get God to come off his throne and do for us. It's like, no, uh, we have power, authority and dominion yeah. on this earth. Prayer is for us to get in alignment with his will, figure out what he wants us to do. And we go do. It, yes. Right? I, I so agree with that. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's, it's for us. And it could be, and it may be hard and uncomfortable and inconvenient. But we have to, but we created these problems. We got to fix them. Mm -hmm. What's the overall answer? I don't know. But, you know, I I shared today on my uh, Motivational Monday video that, um, you know, my three things that I'm committing to myself are, number one, I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to fear walking outside of my house and going to the store and doing what I have to do. Um, Number two, you know, my my prayer is like, okay, God, what do I do? What can I do? Mm -hmm. I'm not... You know, I don't have the podium or the platform of, you know, a, a world leader or anything like that, or even, you know, the leader of a great company. I have a, I have a small, <laughs> a small uh, independent um, writing firm. Yeah. But even in through what I do, I can, um, you know, just speak, share, um, do what I can do, you know, be, be a human being <laughs> to the person to the left and to my right of me. Um, and keep spreading that message. And number three, just keep doing what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, in, in everything to, 
that I do, I feel like is ministry, it's service. So I need to just keep serving, not be fearful and yeah. keep asking for guidance in everything that, that I do. Yeah. So how does your experience and that point of view, how does it, how do you see what's surfacing? What's this explosion that, that it's not out of nowhere. This, this has been there and now it's come to the surface in a way that we can't ignore. So help us understand the way that you're looking at that through the, the lens that you've created over your life. Yeah. Um, and how your faith informs that as well. Well, how my faith informs all of this is that the original and root cause of all things is being out of alignment with mm. who God is and, and, and God as, you know, creator that set this whole world in motion. And we have a simple word for that. It's called sin. Um, and sometimes people, I think the way that we've taught sin is like this, you know, long list of rules of do's and don'ts. Mm -hmm. No, sin, if you look in the original, uh, in the Greek, it's just missing the mark. You just, uh, it just Anything that just kind of misses the mark of God's intent, that, that's sin. Yeah. Um, and so our hearts have been out of alignment for mm -hmm. forever, right? Since the beginning of time. And so we, we have a faith in Christ Jesus. We've got this example of how to live, of how to treat people, I mean, Jesus was so countercultural. He, you know, touched lepers who were societal outcasts. He mm -hmm. spoke with women who were societal outcasts. I mean, hello, if that's not the greatest example of, you know, touching people's needs where they are, that, that breaks down any, any type of, you know, div division that we may, may think we have. Yeah. We so often think that there's so much that, divides us it's like no there's so much more that unites us and there are very few things that divide us we yeah. all want the same things we all want a safe place to live we all want our families and our, our our friends and loved ones to be safe we all want to thrive we all want love we all want that security we all want the same things yeah we may disagree on how to get that and how to accomplish that but it should not be we all want the same things, right? Yeah. So that's how my faith informs that situation. What was the um? So ha so what is it that? How do you explain what's happening? Ah, uh, yes. How and do how, I and how should we be looking at it? Because um, I I feel like it seems like um, it's very confusing. It's very chaotic. It's very difficult. And there's mixed messages and there's mixed actions, and so it's hard to even know what's going on and and what's being said and how to even interpret that okay and what to so, filter out and what not to you know what i mean so go on sorry <laughs> that's okay all right so let me see if i can be as succinct as possible um we have to understand that racism and racism is not just feeling it's not just feelings it's systemic um racism is has systemically been ingrained it is the f it is the fabric of the origins of this country <sighs> from everything from how um european settlers came displaced natives brought africans and others to come as either uh, slaves or indentured servants and when we got to a point where it was like, oh no, we can't do that anymore. We're not going to do that anymore. We have, you know, a big divide on who agrees and disagrees. Mm -hmm. um, then, okay, so slavery is abolished, but then there's this whole history of Jim Crow laws, which basically maintained the, Practically, the heart. Practically, yeah. Yes, it maintained the heart and spirit of slavery, even though legally on paper it was over. Um, and that lasted till, you know, what, the, the, the civil rights movement, all right? So basically what people are saying now are seeing, or, or what Martin Luther King and et al. was saying 50, 60 years ago. Um, so although there has been progress legally on paper, um, we, all the way up to having Barack Obama mm -hmm. um, as, as president, 
um, that, that hasn't changed the hearts of people because look, why is racism still existing? One, number one, because systems are still in place. You know, people got um, really pissed off. I remember in, in the late 80s and 90s with affirmative action um, because they were trying to correct, like saying, okay, people have been, you know, denied access to, to education and, and housing and things like that. Yeah. Um, and it's like they're putting in these corrective actions because it was unfair and it was unjust. But at, at the very heart, I don't think that there ever has been um, a true repentance for the formation of this country. There really hasn't been. Um, who was I? I forgot who I was listening to one time. Um, they said, but that in, I think it was South Africa, um, I think at the end of apartheid, that the government made an official apology. Mm -hmm. um, stuff like that is important. And I think what um, is the challenge today or, or the communication block today, part of the communication block, is that some white people feel like, hey, look, we've had the civil rights movement. Um, you know, black people and, and Hispanic people, they're able to do a whole lot of things that they weren't able to do before. We're not racist. What, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. But with, with failing to realize that systems are still in place and not to mention racism is taught. You know, we teach it to our kids and we keep it going, you know, every time it's an us or them thing. Mm -hmm. um, every time it's a, you know, the, what are the images that are uh, people only see in on the news of black people. They're getting carted away in handcuffs. Mm -hmm. How often are, you know, we having great examples? And then it's like you have your few shining examples that you look at. You have your Oprah's, you have your Tyler Perry's, you have your Barack Obama's, but everybody else, right, mm -hmm. you know, are criminals. Um, so those, those things are challenges. And, and I, I really think that um, everybody has to realize and understand that this is, Racism, the systemic racism is a part of the fabric of this country. And if you start pulling at that thread, everything starts to unravel. Mm -hmm. Now with respect to um, everything that's going on, let's, let's take a look at history. How often did a protest led by Martin Luther King and other civil rights leaders, um, how often did those protests dissolve and devolve into riots and looting i i mean it was usually the oppressors that that did the violence but the protesters were often nonviolent, right so i think that there are two things going on in here because there are people who are protesting peacefully yeah. right to, mm -hmm. to share a message that's clear and then there are other people who are getting into these crowds and causing dissension to cause confusion, to cause fear, so that you think that, oh, these black people or the people who support what they're saying, they're, they don't really want peace, they're, they're violent. This, this perpetuates the images yeah. that, that, that have been perpetuated, it's, right? It's diminishing the message. It's diminishing the message, and I think it's, it's, it's a whole other faction of people who have a different agenda. Um, what is whether their... they and I think what happens is when somebody, you know, uh, when, when another force is, is starting, starting the, the looting and starting the writing, whatever, then everybody, it's like a crowd mentality. And then everybody kind of starts falling into it, even if they you get weren't in. there originally for that. Yeah. So it's just yeah. chaotic. There are two different forces going on and we need to open up our eyeballs and we need to open up our mm. spirits to understand every, everything is, is, is not what it seems. Yeah. Um, I mean, I saw one is working on going. Yeah. On. I mean, I saw one, one video with, with a gal protesting and she was begging the people that were destroying the store to stop the, the peaceful were they were actually trying to stop them from doing it. And um, so how, how do we sort that out in terms of the bad actors and, 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 and is it a matter of essentially unifying with those um, well-intended protesters like I've seen a lot of people do that I've even seen police officers step in and protest with them and embrace them. 
and root out the the destructive agents in this what, what's going on there it uh you know like i said again here's here's where the my uh my, my expertise ends <laughs> yeah. but um but i i think that the more that we do pay attention to the messages that are coming through clearly yeah. um that are coming through peacefully we need to stand in support because that message is important and we don't want it to get lost yeah um you know we still do have issues that we need to confront the looting the rioting the, the destroying property and businesses that 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 is chaos mm -hmm. right that is chaos and anything that we can do to either stop those people or you know help with cleanup efforts or whatever we should do yeah. um you know be, beyond that i i i don't know yeah. um you know and those who believe that there is power in prayer to push back forces should mm -hmm. be in their prayer closets and and push back forces from that perspective because yeah. honestly i i just believe they're just two different forces at work mm -hmm. and you know as we believe the kingdom of uh, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violence taken by force mm -hmm. and sometimes you know we 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 sometimes you have to match violence with violence but it doesn't necessarily mean gun for gun yeah right weapons of our warfare are not carnal mm, prayer and fasting yeah so so and it reminds me i don't know if you're familiar with the story of bet it's called uh, it's a book about a story in the um a black woman and a man who was in the kkk and they run like a city council it's called best of enemies and oh what's the name was in it taraji p henson was in it there, there's a movie that just came out i think in the last year about it yeah yeah she, i didn't get to see it but i did see the previews of it so what they they ended up you know starting out at odds but then they kind of started to listen to each other and they realized that they were on the same team and it was the powers that be and they ended up working together to fight the real the real power and that's what i'm saying mm -hmm. there's so we we may have different approaches but we all want the same thing yeah. And if we would stop, look and listen to yeah. each other, we'll find out that there's so much more that unites us than divides us. Mm -hmm. So one thing that comes to my mind as, as a, a solution and as a something that perhaps we've neglected is the idea of mentoring and serving and, um, you know, discipleship as Christ called us to go and make disciples. I feel like um, that's how you reach people. That's how you reach a person. And you do that at, you know, everyone does that. And, and, and you heal the community, you heal the person, you teach and you bring them up. And ha have we failed in that as, as a church? <laughs> <laughs> oh, have you not heard it said <laughs> that the most segregated and divided day of the week is Sunday? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Look at churches in America completely divided along the x-axis of race no the the i would say what is this this is the the uh the y-axis yeah divided along the y-axis of economics and the x-axis of race yeah which is how a lot of things happen yeah in, in the united yeah, states yeah we we used to go to um, victory world church here in atlanta and um and their mission from the beginning was was diversity and so they represented over a hundred different countries and it was just a really neat experience. And they would reference that quote often is like, why is that? We're going to change that. And they, and they, they made a, they made a solution to it. Part of, part of that is, um, this is something that I learned recently and I, and I need to dig into it more, but, um, I was, I forgot what I was researching or whatever, but I came across this information that, there's a whole history to um to the rise of the black church in america which started in in slavery mm -hmm. and that the preachers were basically put there in place to kind of keep the slaves kind of down um mm -hmm. and so their message was influenced by the slave masters they they were yeah. kind of told well, what, i don't know if you've have you heard of the slave bible no 
it was a Bible that was created for the slaves and they took out everything in the Bible that, that would make the slaves think they could be free. And so it's exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And exactly. They, they, it's so, it seems, you know, as a Christian, it seems so absurd that you would take the gospel and, and slice it up because you want them to have the gospel, but you, you remove the meat of it. It's, it's a really, um, baffling kind of idea. Having the form of godliness and denying yeah. the power of drug. <laughs> um, yeah, because it, it, it's, it's, it's coming from a, a perspective that I, I call it a, um, having, uh, oh Jesus, my, my words are failing me. H having a, a, a very lack, a mentality of lack. Scarcity. Of feeling like, yes, scarcity. Of feeling like there isn't enough for me and you. So there's only going to be enough for me. Whatever mm -hmm. happens to you, happens to you. I've got to push you down. I've got to keep you mm -hmm. away from access from things so that I can have, so that my family can yeah. be okay. And it's like, we don't understand that this earth is so full of abundance. There's more than enough for everybody. And yeah. but when we come from things from that perspective, Mm. It, it really digs into the root of 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 the evilness that can be in, mm -hmm. in man's heart yeah it reminds me of two things one is when you say that it's we're not trusting god to provide we're taking no. things into our hands and second mm -hmm. we're we're doing it at the cost of other people who are made in god's image that's it and and for racism to work it's like you have to think that these people are not human these are not people these, otherwise these, we, yeah because otherwise because then they're like us mm -hmm. and what i do what i enslave what i treat myself like this what i treat yeah. my wife like this what i treat my family like this yeah. no i wouldn't no i wouldn't yeah it's a way to harden our hearts so our conscious doesn't tell us to do the right thing and we have to unharden our hearts you know and i like what you were saying earlier about you know just and, and it, it coincides with what I was saying. Like, you know, if we take care of the person to the right and to the left of us, we'd have an amazing world, right? If we're looking out for the per the people in our community, if if we, you know, you know, I think in in the age of information and you know, big platforms and you know, your message being able to literally go around the world, I think that we sometimes feel like. Um, you know, I'm not effective unless I'm reaching thousands and thousands of people. Mm -hmm. But no, reaching one person is effective yeah. because you have no idea who that person yeah. is meant to influence. So, yeah. and I always, I mean, yeah. as grateful as I, I am and we should be for the work that um, Billy Graham did in terms of the Crusades and people coming to know God through Christ, I felt, I always have felt like a lack of what about all the discipleship of all those people that became Christians? And perhaps we need another another wave like that, but instead of the crusades of salvation, it's the crusades of discipleship. Because if we really took time to look at the life of Jesus, look at mm -hmm. what this gospel is all about, we would not have the problems that we have. Yeah. And we have to remember that at one point in time, the real true message of the gospel changed the world. It changed it, it, the it still, empire up the Roman Empire upside down. And, and 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 a lot of the values are kind of like instilled, like, you know, we don't we think it's wrong to um, you know, kill children or, or you mm -hmm. know, things like that. Like yeah. we, we want the to default. give children dignity. Yeah. That's something that Jesus Jesus brought dignity to children. Jesus mm -hmm. brought but you know, again, if if we took the time to really understand what these principles are and really live them out on a day to day basis, without prejudging, mm -hmm. we'd we, we'd be in heaven. Yeah, heaven we'd on earth, heaven. right? Be heaven on earth. Yeah. Um, and that's that's our our goal and our job as believers, not to um, you know, some people over the head with a whole bunch of rules. It, this is, there's a spirit to this thing. And if you live out the spirit, you don't have to worry about the rules. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and I've, I've um, really shifted my whole view of ministry 
um, you know, ministry is no longer this, you know, glorified big M with gold, you know, <laughs> pixie dust sprinkled all over it. It's not this glamorous thing. It's really about how am I affecting and how am I serving mm-hmm. the person to the left and to the right of me? Yeah. You know, the, like the little last, things, the details, the dailies. You know, a friend of mine was in the hospital last week and um, she needed something and I went and I got it and delivered it to her and it was able to really help her feel a lot better. She was like, you have no idea how impactful that was for me. Mm. To me, that's ministry. Like, you know, I, I wasn't looking for anything, but I was just like, you know, you need help. Let me help. Yeah. Yeah. That That's it. That's Where's ministry. the problem and how can I make, make a step in the direction of solving Do that it? 10 times a day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. do it all day long. Um, but, but we get so caught up in what I'm doing, you know, building my own little kingdom you know, I don't have time to help somebody else. I don't have time to help a neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. It's time. inconvenient. And I think we all feel that. Oh, trust me. And that yeah. trip was inconvenient. <laughs> I was coming from Covington. I was dropping my son off to his <laughs> cousin's house. And I was coming from Covington. And she was up in Cherokee, honey. Mm-hmm. Cherokee. Well, I was like, I, and I, yeah. And I think that's why the, I, the idea of having an abundant mindset is so important. Because we need to have margin. We need to let, mm-hmm. have time and space for God to to bring people our way for us to, to share our life with others and not be so full to the, to the brim that we can't help the person that enters our life because we're too busy with some, but probably half things that aren't even all that important in the internal. And, and busy trying to build a platform, busy trying to do the work of the Lord. Busy. Yeah. Yeah. We can definitely justify it. I'm doing this for God or for my wife or for whatever. <laughs> You know, and, and there's a scripture, I forget, it's in the Old Testament. Um, God says to the people of Israel, is this not the fast that I have called? Like, he was like telling them, you're, you're walking around on a fasting day, you know, with your faces forlorn, mm-hmm. got on sackcloth and ashes, and it looks good, right? right? Your service looks good. But that's not what I called you to do. That's not what the fasting is for. It's to lose the bonds, um, lose the bonds to, you know, do justly, mm-hmm. to take care of, of people, that's what I want you to do. Take, take mm. care of each other. Yeah. It's, it's not about, you know, looking all sanctimonious. Yeah. Don't look sanctimonious. Be, be sanctimonious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's like Christ said to, to, I don't know who it was, but um, not to fast and, and pray publicly. So you get all this accolades. Do it privately. Just do it. Why you're doing it. Exactly. Just, yeah. just, just open your heart. So, well, I thank you so much for sharing. We got a couple more minutes. So what final words of insight, wisdom, would you share with us as we close this conversation up? Open your heart. Um, Last night, you know, I go to uh, Buckhead Church and that's an interesting experience for me too. Yeah. Um, And I've noticed in the last year, you know, all the way up until quarantining started, that there's been an increase of more African Americans um, uh, being becoming a part of the church and being there all the time. Yeah, and I was like, okay, you know, and I think that you know, this this is not a show about you know the church world. So that that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> you know, what's going on in the church world and and what people are looking for and what they're missing and and, and all that. But um, I. They did a broadcast last night. Um, Clay Scroggins is the campus pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, they did it on YouTube, and I was trying to—I was um, driving home, so I was listening to it. I wasn't wasn't watching YouTube. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> right? It's plugged in. Um, <clears throat> and um, but my YouTube was going in and out, so I didn't hear the whole thing, and I need to go back. Yeah. But <clears throat> sorry, they were having a conversation. I was having a conversation with a young man that I, I didn't catch his name. Um, you know, just basically doing what we're doing, talking about this, like what's going on, what, you yeah. know, what can we do? And the what, one thing that I did uh, hook on to was that um, they shared three else that we could do. Um, and I think he was, Clay was more so talking more so to white people. Yeah. Because um, he was talking to a black man. Um, it was listen, learn, and lament. Mm. Um, and, and I, I, and lament Meaning, he said, you know, the, the, when you break down the etymology of that, it's really to empathize mm. with, with people. And I think that message goes on both sides. 
um, you know, to, to listen, listen to each other, learn about what you don't know and empathize. Um, and, you know, I would say this yeah. to, um, to black people, minorities, brown people, whatever, whatever name we call on ourselves today. Um, you know, we need to check our hearts too. Mm-hmm. because you know and 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 God started dealing with me about this like last year I realized that despite the fact that I hate using these terms but I'm using it anyway <laughs> now despite the fact that I have white friends right yeah I still sometimes when when things like this happen and I remember the roots of what this country is built on it makes me angry Mm. not angry to the point where i'm you know picking up rocks and stones and i'm ready to hurt someone now uh, you know unfortunately some people are like that they they want to react i'm not a very reactive person Mm -hmm. um and because of my spirituality i I really you know have trained myself to kind of take time to think you know and process before i act but that anger is still there Mm -hmm. and i have got to get that out of my heart because i don't need I don't need repressed anger in my body either mm. because that will eventually manifest itself as disease. Yeah. Um, but I got to deal with that anger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no, it does not come out on somebody else, but how is it coming out? I need to like yeah. really, you know, and I, I like, there are some movies that I don't necessarily watch. Probably, I probably did not watch that movie because I was like, I don't know that I want to watch that because when I watch certain things, like I've never watched the movie mm-hmm. Selma either mm. because I don't want to get angry. Yeah. I don't want to get angry. Um, You know, I'm not afraid of hulking out on somebody, (laughs) but but still, it's just like, and you know, I just, mm, so we as black people, we've got, we've got listening, learning and empathizing to do as well. So Mm -hmm. nobody is exempt. You know, black people are not right. White people are not wrong. Everybody wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, we, we all have culpability. We all have a part to play in mm-hmm. the problem, and we all have a part to play yeah. in the solution. Yeah. Mic drop. Well, thank That's you. That's, that was awesome. I got chills. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Thank you so much for sharing. No problem. All right. Talk to you later. For additional stories and systems to work smarter and live better, visit jasonscottmontoya.com. That's jasonscottmontoya.com. Thank you for joining us on this episode, and we look forward to having you listen in to the next episode of Grow Your Life.